Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw, and today I'm lucky enough to be joined by Ariel Pacheco, uh, just just one of the best guys covering the New York Knicks, does video breakdowns um, after every single game on Twitter. And we are going to dive deep on the Knicks' loss to the Milwaukee Bucks, including a distinct lack of physicality, a reversion to bad habits for Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett still struggling to find his shot, and some moments of brilliance from Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. We are now available on all platforms, and that includes, maybe you're lucky enough to already know, on YouTube. So if you're not watching on YouTube, please go check us out there. And uh, all you have to do is click that subscribe button and, and you've, you've made my day. Uh, but who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Schell, a play-by-play broadcaster. Uh, typically, I would be joined by my co-host, Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the greatest Knicks website, The Strickland. Um, he is currently at a wedding. So I found a great replacement for the night. I am lucky enough to be joined by Ariel Pacheco, who's just a, a ray of sunshine. Uh, one, one of the, uh, even though we've never met in person, uh, just one of the nicest people I've ever talked to. And one of the smartest uh, covering the New York Knicks. Uh, I'll mention it a little later in the pod, but go throw him a follow on Twitter at APachecoMBA. Uh, yeah, just every, everything out of that guy's mouth is gold. And uh, we're going to get into it right now on the Milwaukee Bucks. Without further ado, here is Ariel. All right, guys, as promised, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Ariel Pacheco. You can check him out on Twitter at APachecoMBA. We're, we were just talking about a pre-show. He's now doing audio with his video breakdowns officially <laughs> Winning the uh, t- uh, video thread war with Benji Ritholtz, Ariel. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, always, always so good to talk to you. Uh, how's it going? Early season. Go- it's going good. You always give me the nicest intro, so I really appreciate you yeah. for that. Always, always, always. I yeah, I saw, it. I saw you were on Pod Strickland this week. So I'm like, all right, I really, I really got to ramp it up. I got to flatter him. We're, 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 we're going to lose him as, as our main guest here. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll always be a guest here. No worries. All right. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, you, you come on a tough night uh, for the New York Knicks. Uh, 119-108, obviously first first loss on the season where they weren't really in it in, in the closing seconds uh, with, with that heartbreaker to Memphis to open the season. And, and honestly, the, the first night that there were real concerns offensively for this team, obviously against the Grizzlies, the first half was really ugly. And yet it's, it, there was some real bright spots coming out of this game. And, and this one outside of the bench, you're sort of left like looking for answers and for a team that came in fifth in the NBA in offense. And this obviously the first elite defense they played, I, I guess, like how concerned are you? How much of a litmus test do you think this was? Was it just an off night or are there, is, is there stuff here that you're like, that is going to be an issue against better defenses all season long? I think there's, it's fair to have concerns, but I think those concerns were also like exacerbated by guys having like tough shooting nights. Um, you know, Julius came into the game shooting pretty well from three. I'm not sure what he shot tonight, but uh, from three, but I don't think he made one. Um, RJ Barrett again continuing to struggle. Um, I also think the Bucks are just like a really bad matchup for the Knicks, just because Brunson, uh, what's his name, Randall and Barrett, they all love 
you know, scoring in the paint. And the Bucks have two of the best rim protectors in the NBA period, and Brook Lopez and Giannis. So I think where the Knicks like to thrive is kind of where the Bucks like thrive defensively. So it's a bit of a tough matchup there. The Bucks have a lot of length. So I think, you know, it was kind of tough for those guys to get going, especially at the start. Um, I thought Brunson should have been a little bit more aggressive looking for his shot, but the Bucks also have like a very good defensive backcourt in uh, Drew Holiday and Javon Carter. So those two kind of did their job against uh, Brunson. But overall, I think it's fair to have concerns, but I do think the Bucks are just always and always have been kind of a tough matchup for the Knicks in that sense. Yeah, and then on the other end, I mean, like every team in the NBA, the, the Knicks had zero answer for Giannis, which which obviously exacerbates things. Um, and I just thought they had a lot of problems with the Bucks' physicality overall, especially on defense. Um, I, I saw you were discussing this with someone on Twitter, and maybe it's something we we dive a little deeper on as the podcast goes along, but. Obi Toppin, despite uh, shooting uh, lights out, uh, another big game for him from distance, uh, playing really well offensively, like didn't close down the stretch. And it felt like a case of like, all right, we need to throw someone like probably our center on Giannis. And then he he was just struggling, like whether it was Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis, boxing those guys out. Portis finished this game with eight offensive rebounds. The Bucs beat the Knicks in, in terms of transition points or rather points off turnovers, 17 to two. It just felt like a matchup between like a Knicks team that like against some of the weaker defenses in the NBA, like showed some nice physicality and came up as tough. And like Mitchell Robinson is always so emblematic of this where he just dominates bad competition yeah. and then against great teams sometimes falters. And then like they, they run into a team that's been there, obviously just won a championship, missing a few rotation guys, but kind of like woke them up a little bit. And they were like, all right, you want like tough, like playoff basketball? Like this is what it looks like. Are you ready for it? And tonight the Knicks weren't really. Yeah, the, the Knicks lost the game on the glass and at the free throw line, in my opinion. Um, they just got, again, like physically outclassed on the offensive glass. Um, and I do think Obi played well outside of the defensive rebounding. Um, I just thought that he played well. He, he played better than Randall. Um, and I thought that he deserved kind of to just close it out. I don't think the Knicks were going to win this game regardless of how bad they were struggling with their top guys like Barrett uh, and Brunson and Randall. So I didn't think they were going to win the game regardless. I thought just as like a... Obi, you played well on this end. We have something going while you're on the court. I think he should have finished the game. Um, and as well, I think they took a little too long to go back to IQ in the second half. Um, the Knicks offense really struggled for, like, it was like a good three-minute stretch where I think they went scoreless and the Bucks went on this, like, 15-0 run or whatever it was. So, yeah, I just thought that he played well enough offensively to kind of give himself a shot to close the game, even if he struggled on the, def- on the defensive glass. Yeah, I thought it, it just felt like, the Bucks, like I, I didn't like how easily the Knicks were taken out of the identity that worked well for them offensively or in the season where they, they were playing with like, uh, like not elite pace by NBA standards. They've been pretty average in terms of pace amongst the whole league, but relative to last year where they were the second slowest team in the NBA, you, you bring in Jalen Brunson, who was the point guard of the slowest team in the NBA. And despite that, they've been able to play faster like we, we have a running joke on this pod about euro julius like he he, he watched like euro <laughs> cup over the summer and all of a sudden was like or euro basket rather and all of a sudden it was like oh wow this is cool like uh yeah. you can pass you can you you can touch it and make a quick decision no way i'm gonna i'm gonna try that this year and and to me like he his performance was sort of a microcosm for the offense as a whole where he 
just, it was too easy to push him back into last year, Randall, where it felt like three, four minutes into this game, he like something like a, a switch flipped in his head in, in a very bad way. And he was like, all right, like the passes aren't coming as easily. Like, guys aren't breaking wide open. Like this team actually gets back in transition. Uh, I better like try and shoot a three in Giannis's eye. Like I better take like a step back midi. And it was unfortunate to see because that was that was kind of my big question with Randall with this hot start that maybe I didn't do a good enough job saying on the podcast repeatedly, but it was it was does this hold up against the good defense and going up against mm-hmm. a great one tonight and going up against arguably the best defensive player in the league and Giannis like it, it didn't hold up very well for him in particular and I thought the rest of the offense kind of crumbled from there. Yeah, I also think it's worth mentioning too that the Bucks play play drop, but they play like probably one of the deepest drops in the NBA. Like Brook Lopez is just literally standing in the paint. They always have him or Giannis just like literally standing in the paint. Um, he got called for three seconds a bunch of times. So, and then the Knicks kind of struggled to hit their shots from the outside. So when they were coming off those screens and they finally did get a look, it just wasn't, they couldn't knock it down. And they also have two of the best guys at getting through screens and Carter and Holiday. So it's just really tough to score on that Bucks defense. And then I think that's why there was a section in like the third quarter at the start where you kind of saw Fournier getting more chances to, to operate, uh, to initiate the offense. And that's because I think Tibbs saw that uh, Fournier is one of the, the few guys on the team who's a good pull-up shooter, um, especially in the starting lineup other than Brunson. And I think he was trying to get Fournier going, um, but then he started turning the ball over. It didn't really work out. So I, I think the drop that the Bucks play is, is just, it's like the, the Knicks kryptonite in a sense for their offense. All right, guys, when we come back with Ariel Pacheco, I want to continue the conversation about the offense and some questions about the rotation, including should Emmanuel quickly start at the shooting guard spot? But before I get into all that, uh, I got to help you make some money. Uh, sometimes we do that with Bet Online today. We are helping you do that with prize picks. Um, tonight on prize picks, I took uh, Julius Randle to have over 20 points. That was a bad bet. I took Emmanuel quickly to hit more than one and a half threes. That was a good bet. Uh, I took Obi Toppin to play under 20 minutes. That was a good bet, unfortunately. Um, So how does it work? You pick two to five players, and if they go score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people, just you versus the projections available prize picks offers projections on any sport you can watch that includes the nba nfl mlb nhl pga college football men's college basketball women's college basketball soccer wmba esports nascar tennis mma boxing disc golf euro basketball cricket and more entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's that easy safe and fast withdrawals are offered as well it's currently operational in over 30 states and more importantly canada so download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up today and play daily fantasy sports first time users can receive a hundred percent that's right a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars with promo code locked on if you deposit a hundred dollars prize picks will give you a hundred dollars if you deposit fifty dollars Price picks will give you $50. So don't forget to use promo code locked on to sign up today for an instant deposit match up to $100. Yeah, maybe someone like Quentin Grimes could make an impact against that kind of defense down the road. But it, it just, I mean, to your point, it felt like they just needed more juice offensively. And I think, yeah, I, I mean, this is, you could say this for the entirety of the Tibbs error is that they just haven't been able to, and like, it's, it's hard to tell, like, is this a rotation failure or is this just the roster? Like, not being good enough where like I think Tibbs like struggles with the decision a lot like do I get a little bit more like movement and pace and verve offensively and like am I willing to sacrifice like 
rim protection and rebounding. That's even like Mitchell Robinson, like not that like Isaiah Hartenstein was, uh, was great in this game. Like he did, he had three of those slip shots in the first half, which were mm-hmm. a lot of fun, but at least you get a modicum of spacing with him. And I think when, when he was in there, though, they were doing this a little bit with Mitch. You saw in that third quarter, RJ started really cooking. I, th- I think he finished with something like 13 points in the third quarter. And I saw you noted this on Twitter. They were setting off ball screens with him, like letting him catch the ball on the run, usually like right at the top of the foul line. And and he was like all of a sudden getting easy baskets, but it was because there, there wasn't a big man at the rim. And But then on the flip side, like not that Mitch was great defensively in this game, but I thought Hardenstein, like he, he had his moments on defense, but was also very foul happy, like also had problems like defending the defensive glass. And like, e- even though I disagree with a lot of what Tibbs did in this game in terms of rotations, I thought he just, I mean, there were stretches where he's just stuck with the starters for too long. You you sympathize with him in that, like, all right, there's not really a lot of two-way solutions at times against a great team. Yeah, uh, I'll start by saying that I did think they did a good job of getting RJ going um, in that third quarter. He was coming off staggers. He was coming off curl screens. It's a lot of things they've been doing with Cam as well. So I thought they did a good job of getting RJ at the rim on the move and where he's able to use his strength instead of having to kind of body through and then finish over a big. He just had to kind of finish over whoever was at the rim. And then um, in terms of Tibbs, I, I don't think he necessarily did like an, an awful job tonight. I do think the Bucks again, they're just a really bad matchup. And they're also one of the best teams in the NBA. It's important to remember that. Um, but I, I think Tibbs was kind of looking, searching for someone who can guard Giannis. But then whenever he put one of his centers on Giannis, they got killed on the glass. So I think he was just kind of searching and he just never found it. Um, I thought their best shot was to just kind of go like all offense, um, maybe go small. Maybe this is the game where you realize you're going to get dominated on the glass regardless. And you decide our best chance of winning is to just outscore these guys. Um, that's also kind of why I was leaning Obi because he was one of the few guys on the Knicks who had it going offensively. He made three threes. So that's kind of where I was at with Tibbs. I'm not going to be too harsh on him tonight. It's just the Bucks are really damn good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, like I'm saying, like like this is an issue the Knicks run into against a great team. It, it's an issue like every like mediocre NBA team runs into against a great team. But I, I was I was with you. I was kind of like praying and hoping. I was like, you know, maybe we get two more fouls for Mitch, two more fouls for Hardenstein. Maybe maybe you finally see uh, fantasy basketball out there and you see Obi and mm-hmm. Randall. And I, I think like part of the reason I, I know to some extent that's suicide against Giannis, but yeah. there's something about playing a small lineup that all of a sudden, like everyone buys into rebounding a little bit more because you just like, if you're a guard, you just don't have that assumption that like, all right, Mitch is going to take care of it. Or Isaiah is going to take care of it. Like, like you have guys like quickly flying and you guys like RJ flying, yeah. or, or at least that's the hope if you're going to go smaller and, and you can kind of like just bond around a scrappy identity, at least for one night. And, and particularly with the way OB shooting the basketball, it opens up, so many possibilities for Randall as a roller. And I think he could have let Randall like take advantage of, of that floater that he's been showing off so mm-hmm. far this year. I mean, you mentioned like how deep Lopez is going and drop. Like there was a reason Hartenstein kept getting to mm-hmm. that shot. But I, again, like there, it was a situation where there are no perfect solutions. How, how are you feeling? Like this is, this is bigger picture, but about that Randall OB dynamic earlier this year, because it's one of those things like, obviously as long as, Julius is playing to the standard he did the first, I mean, three games in the season in particular, and to some extent against the Hornets, like it's it's hard to justify Obi because you can you, you can say, like, all right, Randall's just he's just the better player right now. But you watch Obi draining threes, you watch what he does in transition, and you also just look at a like a, a long-term scope of this team. And and I still have questions like, all right, is, is Randall actually gonna be here through the life 
of this contract? Like how, how have you kind of like settled the the balance between those two in your mind, at, at least like in terms of the rest of the season, because like on a night like tonight, especially when Obi's shooting well, it just further solidified in my mind. Like, all right, there's, there's like a one in like 20 scenario in any given game that Obi's going to do enough to close. And Randall's going to be bad enough that it'll just force Tibbs's hand to let Obi close. Yeah. I just think, I think Tibbs is set on like, I think, that first season they had together, I think is just still in the back of Tibbs' mind. And I think Julius is always going to get the benefit of the doubt, especially when closing games. Um, I also think, I don't know if this is fair to say, but I don't think Julius is, I don't think he's the kind of guy who would take being bench for Obi if he's healthy kind of well um, in any certain scenario. But um, just in terms of long, long term, I just think that as long as Julius is playing well, he's, he earns his minutes. But I think in the night like tonight where he's not playing well, the offense is kind of sluggish, the bench comes in, there's a jolt, there's a boost. I think you just kind of go with the hot hand in that sense. That's part of the benefit of having depth is depth is that you can mix and match. You can go with what's working, you can go away from what's not. And it doesn't have to be a referendum on Julius and Rand, I mean Obi and Randall's playing time for the whole season. It can just be a one night thing. Like he had it going tonight. We're gonna go who, with who we think is the better option. Yeah, I know that that's a fantastic point because it does I mean, we saw it all of last year where, where Tibbs was harsh with everyone else and like, and kind of like the ruthless, like taskmaster that he's described as with, and with Randall, it, it was the ultimate kick gloves. It was like, wait, we can't lose this guy. Like we can't hurt his feelings. And like, honestly, that's to some extent, like the test for Julius this year where he he's, he's literally come out and, and said like verbatim, like I'm all about winning. That's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter who scores. It doesn't matter who gets the glory. And it's like, all right, like this is the test of it. Like you're having a bad night. Like, let Obi close and like the, when the camera cuts to you on the bench, like don't, don't be pouting. And, and like, you can't, you can't put that on Julius because he like Tibbs didn't give him the chance to like show maturity in that kind of situation. Like he, he just went with him. And, and to be clear, I think it's, I think it's mostly for on the court reasons. And we, we don't have to like keep replaying this over and over again, but I, I think he just, my, my sense with Tibbs is that like, he's always going to feel like may, maybe it's that Obi just smiles all the time, but that there's like a certain lack of like toughness and, and ferocity there and like ability to stand up defensively, like against starters for long stretches. Like, I, I just don't, I, I think that's honest. That's also part of why he won't play him and Randall together. He doesn't really believe in Obi doing big man things defensively. And I think, I mean, there, there's like, just from what we've seen from Obi over like his career, like there's definitely stuff to support that. And there are definitely nights where I'm like, no, like he can protect the rim a little bit. He can rebound a little bit. Like, and, and to your point, like he's, he's just such a force on offense. Like you, you take the trade off at a certain point, but what, what did you think of Emmanuel quickly's performance uh, before we go to some other bad stuff? Because to me, he, he, he was the clear cut bright spot in this game. Yeah. He's probably the best player on the Knicks tonight. If I had yeah. to just on a quick thought. Yeah. So on both ends of the floor though, he was very good. I thought he forced some turnovers. He was helping as the low man, even when Giannis was the one coming into the paint, um, which is not easy to do regardless of your height. Scary especially with that different. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're quickly sized defending Giannis. But um, again, when when his three pointer is dropping, it's like a different game for him. Um, I just think so much opens up for him. I, I also like that he got into the mid range a couple of times. He had that one, I think it was an and one, or he got fouled where he kind of like pearled into the lane. And it's usually a spot where he would pick up his dribble, kick it out or, or whatever, but he kept going and he challenged at the rim and, and he was able to get a good outcome from it. Yeah. So I just think overall, like quickly, quickly is one of the more underrated Knicks prospects somehow, even though he continually impacts the game, even when his shot isn't dropping, but when his shot is dropping, it's just like a different level of impact. And he was like a plus eight tonight and the Knicks lost by double digits. So that tells you a lot. Yeah, I was I was almost surprised when I when I went to the box score 
And I saw that he finished with only 14 points. I was like, didn't, didn't he have like 26 tonight? Like it, it just, it felt like at, at times like, like a monster quickly performance. And yeah. he ultimately just didn't, didn't really get the volume of shots off to, to get to that kind of total. And, and again, like, I mean, just uh, hasn't really been getting to the free throw line but with quite the same consistency that he did at the end of last season where he out of nowhere became super duper elite at that. But those two threes to start off, I let left me feeling really, really excited about him. And then to your point, just the like I, I think I can't remember if it was you who noted this or like someone on Twitter like noted a couple of times that he was he's just had like a tendency early this season to pick up his dribble a little bit too early and was doing that in the preseason as well. And like yeah. the play the play you referenced, like where, where he he it was kind of what RJ was always doing his second season, where he kind of snaked the pick and roll, like went to one elbow and then just shot into the lane, got an and one, I was like a fading push shot on mm-hmm. Javon Carter. Um in the first half, he like sped by Drew Holiday and then hit a banker through contact on Bobby Portis. I think that also might have been an and one. Um the, the one thing is like if we're gonna criticize tips for OB, I I like that he's showing faith in IQ and that he's now consistently coming in earlier than all the other bench guys and staying in after those guys go back to the bench and, and getting these really long stretches. He's closed, I think, pretty much every game this year, except for the Memphis yeah. game um, where Fournier came back in for, for overtime. Uh, oh, and then I guess the other night against Charlotte, it was, uh, it was reddish in there. It was Cam actually. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. 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 But, um, but he, I don't know, Tibbs like, unlike with Obi, where it feels like, all right, there, there should be a next step in confidence with OB and it's still not there. And that's like, I don't, I don't know. causes me like in like IBS basically. Um, but with, with, with quickly um, it does feel like there is that step up in confidence. Do you, do you think it should go a step further? And at least until Grimes is back, he should be the starter at the two guard spot. Or do you still like what he brings coming off the bench? And, and as Tibbs says, like, quote unquote, like it matters more who finishes than who starts. I think right now he is the best option to start just because he brings the best combination of shooting, defense, and and the playmaking. Um, I just think that I think especially with kind of the limit, the minutes cap that's on rolls, I don't think there is like a harsh one, but they obviously want to keep his minutes down based on what we've seen. I just don't think Tibbs, because if if quickly starting, Rose would have to play a decent amount of minutes in the game. And I don't think they want to overuse Rose just yet. But I do think quickly is the best option to start at the two. And if you if you notice through the first five games in the rotations, you'll notice that quickly is often coming in for Fournier at the start, and he does get about a couple minutes with the starters. So I don't know if that's Tiff giving it a look or or if it's just happenstance, but I do think it's something that is worth looking, taking a look at, especially with how bad Fournier's looked on defense this year. I, I do really love him and him and Brunson playing together. And obviously yeah. you get a little bit of this with Rose, but just on the nights this year where it's been working for Randall and when it's been working for Brunson quickly, just inevitably he gets more catch and shoot opportunities. Um, and and that was an area he really struggled last year, but in my, I don't know. I just think he's too good of a shooter for that to become Same. a trend with him. And I'm, I'm really confident that I, I mean, it, he, he, he can do so much good uh, for this offense to your point in his starting role. Um, all right. We, we, we did some good. We'll, we'll go back to the bad uh, RJ Barrett. We mentioned the, the monster third quarter, another night where you, you look at the final numbers, 20 points, five rebounds, two assists, uh, just one turnover in this game, like was one for seven for three, but did go six to 10 for two, which, which is, is obviously good. Um, and, and it's, it's not a bad game, but I don't know. I like, I'm just so concerned about his shot at this point. And maybe that's dumb because we had a four game sample size in the preseason of it looking really good. Now we have a five game sample size of it looking really bad. It's now three straight years. He's probably his rookie year too, where he's gotten off to terrible starts. Um, so that's, it's a trend with him. Maybe that's, I don't know. It's, I, I, I can't really explain it, but maybe that's just something that he does. But 
I just I was just hoping to see more of a clear cut leap in his game entering year four. It felt like all right, like like he got the contract. The Knicks, uh, even even if some people in the front office disagreed, maybe a lot of the front office disagreed. Like they ultimately didn't trade him for Donovan Mitchell. Like this was sort of the time for him to cement himself. Like if not as a superstar, like just a consistently positive force and and one that like even if he's not at league average efficiency hovers close enough to that to justify the volume he soaks up yeah. every single night and and this was this was another one of those nights where especially off the dribble like his shot just still looks so stiff and I think I find myself surprised that even if it's not going in like it still doesn't feel like there's a comfort level there and, and there's still like like he just looks uncomfortable like the, the defining play of this one might have been that that four on one that the Knicks had uh, late in the second quarter where he ended up missing a, a six foot bunny. And I, on one hand, I was like, why didn't he get all the way to the rim? And then I was like, yeah, but he still should have just made that shot. So uh, I, I was left with a bad feeling about him. H- how do you feel about him in general early on this season? Yeah, definitely struggling again to start the season. It's a trend for the past two years um, on the bright side. He has evened out and gotten to a pretty decent three point percentage at the end of all those seasons. So if there's some hope in there, it's, it's that. Um, I just think that I think it's Prez on Twitter who often goes into like the detail of his footwork when he's pulling up and it's it's different every time and like it's never consistent. Hmm. And I think that's a big issue and, and has been throughout his career. Um, and when it comes to the finishing, there's still so many layups that he like leaves that are, are fairly makeable. And I just think that he lacks the touch around the rim. And I don't know if we'll ever really see him improve to the level that I think a lot of people hope to. Um, that's not to say he'll never you know, be a good player or, or whatever. I just think that um, it's year four. And if you haven't seen, shown that improvement with the touch by now, it, it gets a little less likely that you're going to see it down the line. He's still fairly young, so it's not impossible. Um, but just every game that goes by and you don't see the improvement, it get, you get a little more skeptical. Um, but yeah, um, I'm also disappointed in his defense. I have been disappointed in his defense, um, especially off the ball. He gets beat back door like once a game. Um, yeah. And he has the, he has the, the body, the frame, and the wherewithal to, to be a good defender at the end of the Charlotte game, second half overtime. He was he was very good on defense, actually. He helped lock down Hayward and Oubre. Um, it just, it's very up and down with RJ on both ends now. And part of being a good NBA player is being, a good, is being good night in and night out. So that's the thing I guess I'll be paying attention to for the rest of the season is just consistency and being able to, to impact the game in a positive way night in and night out. I think that's maybe at least as surprising as his shooting. Like last year we saw him have really poor stretches defensively. And I, I thought more than anything, it was a product of him kind of unexpectedly turning into the number one guy on offense and maybe just not totally ready from a fitness perspective to take that on every night and, and play great defense. And look, there are very few players in the NBA that are, are alpha dogs on offense, like very few young players, I should say in the NBA, that are number one options on offense and like hold their own defensively. Like it's just, it's a gargantuan task. And, mm-hmm. and I, I thought this off season, he would have kind of remedied that, especially because there was going to be less of a load on him offensively. And the perception we, we have of RJ of like this guy who's, who's like all heart, never say die, like effort's never going to be an issue. And at times this year, I don't know if it's effort or focus, but like it, it certainly feels like those things have have affected him I, I don't know if you want to talk about that but I, I wanted to just check was, was there anyone else in this game like good or bad that that stood out to you um I do think Rose's Rose's minutes have been very interesting to me just in general mm-hmm. because he also unless I missed it tonight I don't think he got any minutes with Brunson 
um, which I think I actually would have preferred they ended that the Hornets game with the Brunson uh, Rose backcourt. Um, but I do think that pairing could be interesting at times, especially when the offense is struggling, because they both give you a mix of pull-up shooting and then, um, what's the word, uh, rim <laughs> rim attempts, sorry, uh, penetration. So I do think that pairing, I haven't seen it yet, and I, I want to see that pairing. Um, but yeah, I do think Rose has been really good in his limited minutes. He has some uncharacteristic turnovers tonight. But overall, I think Rose can have a bigger role on this team, um, especially when Grimes is out. But we just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I, it, it's, it feels weird, right? Because he's he's been incredible, at least on offense, exactly. every single time he gets into the game. Like uh, the first layup he had, I, I didn't know he still had that speed in him. He, he just shot around George Hill, like hit another nice pull-up wing three, yeah. hit that corner three where I think it, it might have been uh, Lopez who was – right in his grill. Like I, I, I've talked about it almost every podcast. So I don't want to belabor the point, but he, he's just turned himself into like a legitimately great shooter, which is, yep. it's kind of crazy. And it, it makes you, I mean, it's, it's kind of the, like we're seeing with John Morant now, like this is great. What if of his career, like if he could have found that shot, like while he still had the athleticism, yeah. like again, you're talking about someone who like is the best player on a, on a title team. So it's, it, it's, it's cool to see. And, and I, I'm, I'm with you. I wonder, like, I, first of all, like I, I, I like, how many minutes they're playing and be just because it, it leaves that window for quickly to, to sort of be the dude. Because I think if this was two seasons ago or last season, like Rose would be the guy who was coming in early with the starters and like staying in late with the bench. Um, but, but it's um, it's still like on, on some level, like you're sort of left like, all right, is he like our, is he actually like our third or fourth best player? Like, why isn't he playing more? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he is up there on the list. Um, even, even in his limited minutes, he still has a good impact, but I do think that's a fair point that it would cut away at, at quickly's minutes probably. So, I think I think quickly deserves the reps. Yeah, um, yeah, he was he was awesome tonight. I think we can we can wrap up on on Brunson. Um, like there were there were a couple other guys. Like Cam, like I thought, forced some bad shots. Like he like whatever yeah, he was going on with Randall tonight, it, it sort of it sort of rubbed off on him a little bit. So I don't I don't want to fix it on that because I'm 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 Team Cam, so I don't want to don't want to belabor the point there. Um, but th- I thought this was interesting for Brunson, right? That comes off that Hornets game, a a defining performance for him early, early in his next tenure, obviously, and. You, you want him to come out and be just as aggressive. And we've seen now in a, in a couple of games where he, he I think maybe because he's so used to playing with Luca, like he, he lets it come to him maybe a little bit too much. And, and at times you almost want tips to go up to him and be like, Hey, you're, you're the best player on this team offensively. Like, like you, you need to go be that guy every single night. And there, there was a point in this game where he had four shots to 40 is nine. And I saw that and just, just kind of wanted to throw up. Um, and and to me, like that defined the first half. And, and to your point, I know the Bucks guards are exceptionally good defensively, but like that that's sort of the test. Like if he if he came to New York to be a number one guy, like you're going to see those types of defenders. And you still like, even if you aren't at your normal efficiency, like you still got to get those shots off because it's better that he's taking them right now than RJ Randall. Yeah, I tweeted it as well. I thought Brunson needs to be more aggressive, especially when you're playing the the top teams in the NBA. He's one of their best, he is their best shot creator offensively. And if the Knicks want to have a shot against these teams night in and night out, he's going to have to be the one to get it going. Um, he's the one who draws in the defense the most. He has the best uh, combination of pull-up shooting and rim pressure. So I just think, I think overall, like, Brunson's aggression is going to be something I'm also going to be paying attention to as the season goes on. Um, because if not, you're left with Fournier taking more shots or Randall jacking up some more jumpers that you don't really want him taking. Um, it, it just bogs down the offense even more because now other guys have to kind of pick up the the shots that he's not taking. Yeah, I 
I think I think it, it's something that'll come as the season goes along, and he's he's just gonna he's never had that role in the NBA. Honestly, in college, like he didn't he didn't totally even though he's national player of the year, like that wasn't like they had, they had such a balanced team. Like he he didn't really have to do that. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious to see him develop that killer mindset. I'm I'm curious if as the Knicks schedule gets tougher and tougher, if they can balance this thing out. But uh, that's it for this one. But before I let you go, Ariel, can you? Just tell everyone one final time uh, where, where they can find all your work because it's it, it's really 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 superb. There is uh, universal universal consensus about like all, I think all the stuff you do and how good it is. Way too kind. Um, just follow me on Twitter at apachecomba. Anything I do will be up on there on Twitter. So just follow me there, apachecomba. All right, cool. Um, I, th- I think it was like three months. I'm, I'm sure it won't be as long until next time you come on. But thanks a lot, man. And we'll talk to everyone soon on Locked on Knicks. We'll be back uh, early next week. I, th- I think the next play Sunday. So, so Monday morning with the game recap. But until then, be good. We'll talk to you soon on Locked on Knicks. All right, guys, that was a, a great time with Ariel. Uh, before I let you go, I want to thank you for making Locked on Knicks your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.